Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Jim Podcast. My name is John Dickinson, and I will be your guest host today for Dr. McCallum. Uh, I am an assistant professor of medicine in the Division of Pulmonary Critical Care Medicine at the University of Nebraska Medical Center. I also serve as the chair of the Publications Committee for our parent organization uh, of Jim, the American Federation for Medical Research, AFMR, whose mission is to mentor tomorrow's leaders in medical research. It's my great pleasure to welcome a fellow Nebraskan to the microphone. Dr. Sarah Myers is the D.B. Paula Varner Professor of, of Biomechanics in the Department of Biomechanics at the University of Nebraska at Omaha. She's also the Assistant Vice Chancellor at the Office of Research and Creative Activity there. Her lab has been focusing on the biophysical forces that influence human diseases, such as neuromuscular diseases and peripheral vascular disease. And she's been well-funded by the NIH and the VA um, for many years and has over 45 manuscripts. Um, the topic today actually will be not related to her very interesting research, but rather on something that may be uh, relevant to all of us. Several months ago, I heard Dr. Myers give a really outstanding presentation here on my campus um, on the NIH Loan Repayment Program, or the LRP. Now, I was an LRP recipient myself during my postdoc years, um, and I really appreciated uh, the flexibility and the financial security that having the NIH paying off my student loans meant for me in my academic career. Um, and her presentation really struck a chord, and I felt this would be helpful for our gym podcast listeners, many of whom are trainees or junior faculty members who are contemplating a career in academic medicine, um, and who many have student loans. And student loans certainly have been a hot topic in the news recently, and I think it's a factor for a lot of our trainees and junior faculty when they're thinking about, can I go into academic medicine? Can I go into a career of academia financially be able to, uh, to support it. So uh, with that, I'm really excited to welcome to the microphone, Dr. Myers, and welcome to the Jim podcast. Thank you so much. All right. So let's just jump right in. Um, could you start with just telling our listeners a little overview of what exactly the um, LRP does and how it can help um, people who are uh, beginning a career in academia? Sure, John. So the NIH Loan Repayment Program, or LRP, as we'll call it today, was established to recruit and retain highly qualified health professionals into biomedical or biobehavioral research careers. And what was happening is some scientists or physicians were abandoning the research portion of their career to pursue higher paying private practices or other industry positions so that they could pay off their loans. And so the LRP program was created to combat some of that pressure to pay for repaying loans by repaying up to $50,000 per year of a researcher's qualified educational debt. And so there's programs that were created for NIH employees and then separate programs created for people like us called extramural researchers in different program areas. And those programmatic areas can change, but if you do research in one of those areas, 
um, then you qualify for this, you, you may qualify for this program. So right now those areas include clinical, pediatric, health disparities, or contraception and infertility research. And then there's also categories for clinical researchers, but are, who are also individuals from disadvantaged backgrounds and researchers in what they call emerging areas and those particular areas of need can change. So how, how is one, like, uh, what is your eligibility? What criteria like, do you have to have to apply for this? And what stage of your career are you typically looking for, um, for people to apply for an LRP? So many people probably think that the LRP is for new faculty members or physician scientists, but actually researchers at any stage of their career are eligible. So that's an important point to make. Outside of that, eligibility uh, requirements include performing qualified research in one of those programmatic areas that I mentioned earlier. Uh, being a US citizen is required and then having a qualifying degree. And most terminal degrees do qualify, but a PhD and an MD or DO certainly qualify as well. And then the individual applicants need to have qualified educational debt. And that includes most US government, academic institution, and even commercial lenders that have provided educational-based loans and any educational loans to individuals should qualify. Uh, it's important to note that parental loans, even if they were for educational expenses, do not qualify. And then finally, the applicant needs to be performing research domestically um, in a nonprofit setting. So uh, this could be for your undergraduate loans as well as your medical school or, or graduate school loans, is that correct? That's correct. It can be for loans at any stage of education. And then I know a lot of people defer loans. It doesn't matter deferment status at all. I don't think deferment status matters, but uh, one thing to be very careful of is consolidation, loan consolidation. So I would either avoid consolidating or check with the program managers at the NIH, because if you consolidate loans with a different individual, say a spouse, or you consolidate a loan that isn't qualifying, say a parental loan, then those loans would not be eligible to be repaid. So you, you do wanna be careful uh, what decisions you make about your educational debt if you are thinking of utilizing this program. So you mentioned that you have to have a terminal degree um, for your PhD or DO or MD degree. Um, so it seems like, but there needs to be this expectation that you're going to be doing research uh, during the, the loan period, is that correct? Like, is there a certain amount of research you have to do over the loan period time? Right, there, there is a certain amount when I was in the LRP program, it was 50% of my time had to be dedicated to research that could, could change and it could vary from program to program. So just something to look into. 
Um, but it's not a, a, a rigorous requirement in terms of having to submit paperwork that or documentation of workload. It's basically your supervisor certifying that you have 50% of your time for research. So that could be research assigned time, or it could be research funded on grants or from pilot projects or um, any, any manner, but it does need to be dedicated time for research. Okay. And you have to write it, you have to write an application with a proposed project. Right. Yes. So um, in terms of the application, there's several different components of that, one of which includes what research you'll be working on during that loan repayment program period. Um, the important aspect of the research project is that it fits into one of those programmatic areas. And also it should obviously be a continuation of your prior work and also fit in line with where your research is going and, and leading to your research independence. Um, I, I will say that uh, in terms of evaluation of the applicants, the, the research isn't evaluated in the same manner in the LRP program as it would be for getting research funding per se, because this program is investing in the applicant. It's, it's not gonna fund the research. And so we wanna make sure that the area of research of the applicant fits into the programmatic area, but there won't be the same level of review of the minutia of the methodology, for example, or critical evaluation of what research will, will be done, uh, like would happen in a research grant evaluation. So the loan repayment program sounds like it's just, it's gonna provide money to pay off your student loans. I mean, is that simply what it's doing and, and to pay off the taxes? Can you walk us through just the mechanism of what this, what the program involves? Sure. So if let's assume that someone writes a successful application, then um, the, the process is you will receive a notice of award. And that new award is typically for two years. And the amount of the LRP award will depend on the amount of qualified educational debt that the applicant has. And the award will pay up to 25% of that eligible debt each year over the course of the two years for a new award. For example, if someone had $200,000 in eligible educational loans, $50,000 could be paid in year one and $50,000 in year two for a total of $100,000. The max is $50,000 per year. Um, so then- A staggering you, amount of money. It's a staggering amount of money, but it's also not an unrealistic amount for student loans, especially for physicians. Um, or if you went to private school, a PhD can take 10 years to, um, to finish, so it, and you can't really work outside, so it, it can. It's a realistic number. 
Um, so once you receive the notice of award, then you have to provide the NIH with um, account numbers and specific documentation because payments are made directly to the lender. And then you have to certify that those payments were correctly applied. So the NIH doesn't really have access to your accounts, but they pay your accounts directly. And then you confirm that those payments were in fact applied and, and that makes um, the process of, for the next quarterly payment line up. Um, and then you mentioned something about taxes. So LRP, much like scholarships or other loan forgiveness programs is considered taxable income. But another benefit of this program is that it actually directly pays an amount to the IRS on recipients behalf to offset that tax burden. And then recipients receive a statement uh, much like other scholarships or loan forgiveness program that you can document both the LRP amounts received and the tax amount paid on your behalf when you're filing your own taxes. That's, I mean, that's amazing. That's, um, I remember as a, my own recipient, I was very grateful. And then, you know, I, I hadn't even thought about the tax part. Um, but if you think about getting an extra you know, $50,000 a year makes the IRS look differently at your income. Um, so that's a huge benefit. Right. It, it really is. And it makes a big difference, especially for those who have just started in a faculty position. Your salaries aren't, aren't that high when you're first starting out and you probably have delayed maybe some other expenses that now you don't want to delay anymore. So it, it's very helpful. Um, I want to transition a little bit. And can you talk some more about the application process? So if we have a listener here who thinks they're very excited about applying for this project, it seems like there, there's, a, there's an importance of having a system in place wherever you are in terms of having a good mentor um, and a good research environment to sort of foster your growth in that application. Um, is that correct? Right. So the application process, um, I think the most important piece of information to remember is the overall goal of LRP is to retain high quality researchers. So the application process needs to confirm that the applicants are high quality and that the environment is such that it will support the researcher and promote their retention in the field. And so in terms of um, selecting a mentor or references, first of all, uh, many applicants are hesitant to have a mentor because they wanna demonstrate independence, but I don't think it ever hurts to identify a mentor. Um, I, I believe this mentor should be at the applicant's current institution and it could be someone like the department chairperson and, and don't look at it like it implies that the researcher is not or will not become independent. I think all stages of researchers benefit from having mentors. Um, and this, this mentor can also uh, confirm time spent doing, doing research and uh, provide an evaluation in the progress reports 
of the of the progress because they're documented as a mentor on this application. Uh, but in general, both the mentor and the references, uh, there's I think three to five reference letters that are submitted, and uh, those letters must speak to the applicant's high quality of research and potential for a successful career in research. Um, and it's also helpful if they speak to the applicant's commitment to the field, the availability of mentors and colleagues at the institution, as well as other institutional resources. Uh, in terms who, of who should be ref, asked to be a reference, I think the references should be familiar with NIH type research. And if they're NIH funded researchers, that's the best. Uh, if they should be more senior than the applicants, but I think it's also fine to have associate professors that have NIH funding to be references as well. And then in terms of the, the process, the deadlines for the application are usually in the fall. And there's several different components to the application. There, it's not as rigorous as writing an R01 or a training grant or anything like that, but there's components that speak to the applicant's training, their goals, their research that they'll be working on during the LRP period in the environment. And so as you think about your application, you wanna know which program does your research fit into, um, identify which institute because the NIH has different institutes and um, those institutes don't participate in all of the programs. And so you wanna identify um, an institute that participates in the program that your research falls under. And then you also need to gather your loan documentation. That can take a long time sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then I mentioned that the application um, is reviewed in a similar uh, timeline and process as other grant applications, just the review criteria are different. Um, but then there's also a pretty detailed financial review after the programmatic view so that they can get a really good understanding. They're starting to think about how much are we gonna uh, repay for each applicant and, and that probably goes into the whole portfolio. So the funding decisions aren't made until after the financial review because that can impact probably how many applications they can fund. Okay, so it seems like identifying a mentor is very key. Um, and it seems like that finding somebody on your institution who's familiar with the LRP would be helpful um, in terms of familiarity with the application process and some of the requirements I think would be very helpful for our listeners if they're interested in applying. Yeah, I agree. The first thing that, that I do for people who ask me about the LRP program is give them my application and tell them other people that I know who have received it because it is helpful just to see the scope of information, the depth of information that's provided and what to highlight. Yeah, um, and I, I think uh, for those listeners who are interested in learning more about it, um, you know, if you just type in uh, in Google search lrp.nih.gov, you'll find the application page there and there's a lot of helpful information there. But I think it's important that you um, just reach out to your institution, 
to people you know and ask around who who could be a support person who can give you old applications. I know that was helpful for me. And when I applied was that my mentor, um, who is a professor uh, in pulmonary, he uh, had previous uh, people in the lab who had gotten the MRP. So he was able to give me all their applications and and, and, and that really um, helped with the, the project. Now, uh, Dr. Morris, you also uh, have served on the um, review committee for these applications. Um, could you tell us in general terms, some of the factors that are important um, in evaluating an application? Um, I think you've touched on some of them already in terms of, of um, commitment to research um, and research environment uh, for the applicant. Right. I think the most important suggestion I could give to an applicant is to make sure in all of your materials that their specific passion for research comes out in those materials so that reviewers feel confident that they're committed to, to the field. So that could be explaining you know, why did they personally decide to pursue a research career or explain the significance of the findings of your research so far and where that's leading them in the future and how this is going to add a lot to the field. And then clearly articulating goals and having a plan to achieve those goals are also important because it shows commitment to future research and also uh, shows the plan for further development of their own independence as well. Um, I mentioned that the proposed science uh, reviewers are really instructed to emphasize the individuals more than the science. And so um, regarding the science, I think it's important to clearly articulate the aims and the rationale, the strong inference, what those findings will mean for the field, because that shows the ability of the applicant and how they're going to pursue their independent uh, research track. And then finally, uh, it's important for reviewers to know that the applicant will have the space, the equipment and the resources to conduct the work, particularly because the LRP program does not provide research funds. It's just funding the applicant, um, supporting them. So, um, and then finally, explaining the intellectual environment. So will mentors, colleagues, collaborators, be available and, and what other resources in the environment will support the applicant's success? Yeah, those are, I think, critical last two factors that, that uh, a lot of people find mentors they really um, enjoy working with, but perhaps that person doesn't have the ability to provide some of the, the resources or the, or the division of the department doesn't have the resources available. Um, to support that individual. So those are all key factors that go into, um, you know, forming uh, trainees and, and junior faculty. Um, lastly, I want to ask about the um, renewal process. So this is a two-year program. You mentioned that the, each year the paying of the, the, the student loan amount, but can you renew this grant through, through, through different cycles? Yes. Fortunately, applicants, as long as they have at least $2,000 in qualifying debt, they can reapply. And renewal awards can be in either one or two years, and they will pay up to 50% of the eligible 
educational debt per year. And so with the two-year award, that could be 100% of the remaining debt subject to those maximum amounts. Um, the process is the same as the in initial application. There's just additional criteria being what was accomplished during the prior LRP period and how are those accomplishments contributing to that recipient developing independence. So uh, really it's, it's very similar to the initial application and people can get renewals more than once. So I received two different renewals. So if you go back to our hypothetical person with $200,000 in student loan debt, you're saying that let's say they get half of that paid off in the first two years, the other two years could also then basically go to pay off the remaining amount. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. Wow. That's just amazing. Well, um, I really want to thank you for uh, participating in this uh, podcast. I think a lot of our listeners will find this information very helpful and I hope it helps um, many people consider, um, you know, the uh, career in academics. I think this is a powerful uh, resource for many people. I was grateful for, for my support and, and I hope others will, will find this uh, podcast helpful to, to help them pursue uh, their, um, their careers in academia. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed my time. All right.